We call this day Good Friday. You ever wondered why we do that? This is the day when we remember the crucifixion of our Savior. This is the day when human beings killed the author and giver of life. Dark Friday, maybe. Death Friday, perhaps. But Good Friday? None of Jesus' disciples thought there was anything good about this day, the day of their Lord's death. They saw it just the same way that everyone else in Jerusalem did. Jesus was finished. What other conclusion could they possibly have come to? The Jewish religious leaders had handed him over to the Romans. Pilate had refused to bail him out. His followers had run like scared cats. Jesus was nailed to a cross and left to die. He did die. It was finished. Jesus' disciples were just going to have to accept the fact that things hadn't quite worked out. The previous three years with Jesus, well, they'd been good while they'd lasted. But looking back on it now, the whole period looked like a a blind alley, like a a three-year wild goose chase. All the power that he had displayed, all the promises that he had made, they were with him now decomposing in a borrowed tomb. It was finished. There was nothing good about this Friday. That's how the disciples saw it. It's how Jesus' enemies saw it. It's how everyone in Jerusalem saw it. But it's not how God saw it. Nothing that happened on Good Friday or in any of the events leading up to it took God by surprise. His plan was right on schedule. Even in, and maybe especially in Jesus' death, Jesus was still the king. He was even in charge of his own crucifixion. We often think when a famous person dies of their, of their last words, famous last words play an important role in, in human discourse. Do you know the one word that Jesus spoke more than any other in the last 24 hours before his death? Listen to these verses and see if you can pick it out, the recurring phrase. In Matthew 26, Jesus said, I, the Son of Man, must die as the scriptures declared long ago. Again in Matthew 26, he said, Tonight all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Further on in the same chapter he says, "If I, he's talking of how he could have called thousands of angels to help him but didn't. He said, if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Rather than fault the soldiers who were arresting him, Jesus sees them just as players in a drama that they didn't write. He said, but this is happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. John 13, the scriptures declare, the one who shares my food has turned against me. 
And this will soon come true. John 17, he turns to his heavenly father and he prays, I guarded them so that not one of them was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Luke chapter 22, he said to them, the scriptures say he was treated like a criminal. And I tell you, this scripture must have its full meaning. It was written about me and it's happening now. Did you spot the recurring theme? It's not what you'd expect. Jesus isn't talking in the last hours of his life about love or about sacrifice or about devotion. He's talking about scripture. Fulfilling scripture is the most important thing on Jesus' mind as he goes to his death on the cross. Jesus orchestrated his last days specifically to complete and to fulfill what had been foretold in scripture. On the last day, he fulfilled 29 Old Testament prophecies. I'll give you just three examples. Isaiah had spoken of him as a suffering servant. He said he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds were healed. David, even earlier than Isaiah, had written a messianic psalm. They pierced my hands and my feet. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Amos, the prophet, predicted the darkness that would fall at the time when Jesus died. In that day, says Amos, the Lord says, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. Dear brothers and sisters, as we gather here this Good Friday evening, we reflect on the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let us imagine for even one moment that Jesus is a victim of circumstances here. He's in charge of everything that's happening. He used the hatred of his enemies to fulfill the purposes of God. Jesus hardly spoke on that Friday. He didn't need to because all around him, the most unlikely people began to speak divinely ordained truth. Do you remember the, the sign that Pilate had nailed above the cross? It read, Jesus Christ, King of the Jews. It was written in Hebrew and in Latin and in Greek so that everyone in the culture of that day could read it. Pilate got a lot of things wrong that day. But this he got right. He told the world that Jesus was king. The Pharisees, they mocked Jesus as he hung on the cross. And, and even their taunts, they, they spoke truth that they didn't grasp. They said he saved others, but he can't save himself. They got it absolutely right. In that moment, Jesus could not at the same time save others and save himself. So he chose to save others. 
probably the least likely spokesman for Jesus of all on the Good Friday was Caiaphas, the high priest. John records his words where he said, it's better for one man to die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. He's right. It's better for Christ to die than for all of us to perish. You'd almost think that God had put these words in his mouth. And John tells us that that's exactly what happened. He didn't say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. Folks, this is staggering. At the time when Jesus appears to be weakest, his strength is displayed everywhere and in all people. Caiaphas is preaching Christ. The Pharisees are explaining his death on the cross. Pilate is acknowledging that he's king. Do you see just how much Jesus is in charge of everything? That's going on here on this Good Friday. He's the one pulling the strings. This is exactly the way he wanted the strings to be pulled. Jesus is ensuring that God's will is done. Slowly but surely we're getting a growing sense of what's good about this day. Maybe this is a Good Friday after all. It's a constant theme throughout God's word that God is always in control and that even the worst of human sin cannot thwart his plans. We saw it a a few months ago uh, when we were looking at the story of Joseph in an evening series here. There's a point at the end of the Joseph story where Joseph looks back. He's in the company of his brothers. He looks back on all the hurt and the pain and the betrayal that they caused him. And Joseph was able to say this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what now is being done, the saving of many lives. It's just a wonderful foreshadowing of how God takes the worst evil and turns it to good. The preachers in the early church, they too were convinced of the sovereign rule of God in the suffering of Jesus Christ. In Acts 2, we have a record of Peter's famous Pentecost sermon. He speaks to the crowd in Jerusalem. He says, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was handed over to you by God, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. They nailed him to a cross, but only because God allowed them to do it. As I've been reflecting on these things this week, 
I've become somewhat undone, if I'm entirely honest. I'm left wondering what kind of a God it is that we worship. This father not only allows his son to die, that that I've always understood. He plans that it should be so from before the beginning of time. Because he loves us. This son doesn't end up in Jerusalem on a cross because of a bad turn of events. He goes resolutely, day after day after day on a journey where he will not be sidetracked. He goes to face the injustice, the mocking, the brutality and the death because he loves us. And and the Spirit of God who oversees this incredible human depravity in all of this, he's willing to indwell us still. He's willing to be Christ in us because he loves us. What kind of a God is this who gives himself utterly and entirely for people like us? This is our God. Friends, it's becoming clearer now, isn't it, why we call this Good Friday? This is the day when the eternal, loving purposes of God were worked out perfectly on the cross of Jesus Christ. That day, Jesus Christ died for our sins so that we don't have to. This is the day when God gave himself for us. For you. And for me. This is a good day. This is a day like no other. This is the best day. Let us pray. (coughs) Father God, we thank you that in the very heart of your person, Long before you created us, you determined that you would give yourself for us. This is the kind of God that you are. This is your character and your person. Lord, we just thank you for that. We praise you and we thank you this evening that you would give yourself for us. Lord, you gave yourself for us when we we hated you. When we were running our hardest from you. When we wanted nothing to do with you and yet you gave. 
It was while we were your enemies, Jesus, that you died for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let us open our lives now to your love. Let us crave that forgiveness that we have in Jesus. Make it the bedrock of our entire existence. Let us leave here this evening as people who have an incredible humility as we see what our God has done for us, but a huge sense of dignity and knowledge that we are loved entirely by the living God. Lord, thank you for this good, good day. Amen.